Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Scary Mysteries, Twisted Twos, Gareth Williams and the Donner Party. Tales of hauntings, murder, and scary mysteries. Every week, Twisted Twos dives into a pair of uniquely terrifying true stories that are worthy of a more in-depth look. For this week, we check out a mysterious death of an MI6 spy and the doomed exodus of the Donner Party. Get ready for Scary Mysteries, Twisted Twos. Number one, Gareth Williams. On August 23, 2010, police were asked to do a welfare check on 32-year-old Gareth Williams. He worked as a code breaker for the MI6 and was supposed to return to work after vacation. But when he didn't show up, his co-workers became concerned. The police entered his flat on Alderney Street in London and initially didn't find anything wrong. When they opened the bathroom door and pulled the shower curtains from the bathtub, that's when they found a red North Face sports bag sitting inside. It was sealed with a lock and had its Velcro fastened on the outside. When they opened it, to their shock, they found Garrett's naked body contorted inside. He was badly decomposed and when they removed him, they found the key to the lock underneath. Garrett's work involved dealing with highly classified information and investigating various criminal activities for different partner agencies. During the autopsy, it showed he had been dead for over a week. None of his DNA or prints were found inside his bathroom, and there were no signs of forced entry in the flat as well. Police did note that despite being the middle of the summer, the heating in his apartment had been turned up to the highest setting hastening the decomposition process. This made it even more difficult for the coroner to discover the cause of death. Described by his colleagues as a decent man and conscientious, the police couldn't find anybody who wanted to cause him harm. He was also described as having few close friends aside from his own family. No signs of him struggling inside the bag or attempting to get out were found, so it's likely he was unconscious already dead or willingly locked himself in there, with no plans of getting out. Also, his front door had been locked from the outside, which raised suspicion a third party was there before the police arrived. The coroner concluded Williams was likely murdered, and speculations about his death began to circulate. Was he killed by other agents or his employers because he tapped into things he shouldn't have? 
Was he the subject of a sort of blackmail gone wrong? Or was he killed because of the work he was doing? There are those who suspect his employers of foul play, and even impeding the investigation by withholding evidence. Police question why his employers took more than a week before they reported him missing, when he was supposed to be a secret agent who had information other agencies might want. Then lurid stories about William's private life began popping up, like how he was supposed to be into bondage and transvestitism. There was a total of $25,000 worth of women's clothes, including a red wig found inside his apartment. Another theory that emerged comes from a former KGB spy who said Williams was initially blackmailed and hired to become a double agent by Russian intelligence. He was supposedly drugged and once unconscious, put in provocative poses with other individuals. He was then told the pictures taken would be sent to his family if he didn't agree. He refused the offer and said he would reveal the identity of a mole if he was further harassed. And so because he became a threat, he was supposedly eliminated using an untraceable poison injected into his ear using a needleless syringe. Later on, after subsequent investigations, the Scotland Yard proclaimed Williams was likely alone when he died. Even though there's no absolute evidence pointing to this, there's also no absolute evidence pointing otherwise. So to this day, Gareth Williams' death remains a complete mystery. Number 2. The Donner Party With the hope of a better life, many American pioneers decided to move from the east towards the west, with their main destination as California. On April 16, 1846, James Reed decided he would do the same. As a wealthy businessman, he was excited to make an even larger fortune in California. He also hoped the climate would help his wife's persistent sickly condition. Before leaving, he read a book called The Emigrant's Guide to Oregon and California, written by a man named Lansford Hastings. In it, Hastings talks about a newer and shorter route that could save travelers some 350 to 400 miles. The route was promoted to the early settlers, but what people didn't know was that this way was completely untested. In fact, not even Hastings himself had traveled it. As Reed and his family set off, he joined up with other travelers, and this included the wealthy Donner brothers. George and Jacob Donner were adventure seekers. George had traveled and migrated to different parts before settling in Illinois. Even though they were 60 and 56 years old, respectively, they still were thrill-seekers and together with their families joined the Reeds headed for the West. Their first stop was Independence, Missouri, which served as a jumping-off point for the Oregon and California trails. The group reached Independence after three weeks of travel, resupplied and then moved on the next day during a thunderstorm. They managed to join a much larger train wagon headed by Colonel William H. Russell. The large train wagon reached Fort Laramie in June of 1846. While there, Reed met a friend, James Kleiman, who warned him not to take the Hastings cutoff, saying it was barely passable on foot and even more impossible for wagons. He urged the group to travel the original route together with the main train wagon. However, Reed dismissed this advice. By July 11th, while moving along the Continental Divide, a man bearing a letter from Lansford Hastings himself approached the party. 
In it, Hastings said he would meet them and personally guide them towards the new route. By this time, the large train wagon arrived at Little Sandy River, which is now part of Wyoming, and they split into two groups. The majority opted to head to the tried and tested northern route, while the smaller faction opted to head south towards the new one. George Donner was elected captain and headed the second group towards Hastings' cutoff. But this shortcut would prove treacherous and lead the party to their own demise. Once at Fort Bridger, Hastings left a note that he went ahead with another group and that they would have to catch up. They rested a bit and went on and reached Echo Canyon and found a note from him again saying they shouldn't proceed along the route because it was impassable. Instead, they were to take another new route. The group voted and decided to follow his advice instead of turning back. And by this time, the Donner Party had 87 people and 23 wagons with them. They had to cut through trees and were forced to abandon some of their wagons along the way. And by this time, morale was starting to sink. They reached the start of Utah's Great Salt Lake Desert after five days. Once there, they initially thought this trek across would take only two days. But what they didn't know was that the sand was moist, making it difficult to walk in and move their wagons. They ended up on the other side of the desert after five days of traveling, losing 32 oxen and abandoning several more wagons. The group soon realized they were low on supplies and rations for the 600 miles ahead of them. As the arduous journey slowly paced forward, many in the party began blaming Reed and tempers flared. Reed then got into an argument with John Snyder and ended up stabbing him while defending himself. But as a result, he was banished from the group, forced to forge ahead alone and leave his family behind. The group, after much effort, reached the Sierra base. They started their ascent by October 31st and were only 1,000 feet from clearing the summit. The only reason they didn't do it that day was because they opted to wait for the rest of the Donner Party after they had to stop to fix a wagon wheel. But that night, a blizzard came through, dumping more than five feet of snow on them. Everyone decided that their chances of now crossing the summit before winter had passed and decided to trek back and hunker down at Truckee Lake. Unable to move through the mountains, the Donner Party sustained in makeshift tents and family dwellings and were forced to eat their pets and oxen to survive. After they ran out of those, they resorted to eating twigs, bark, and even leather. A small group composed of seven men, nine women, and a child attempted to cross the summit despite the harsh conditions on December 15th. After six days, they ran out of food, and soon they began dying. Those who passed away were cannibalized. By the time they reached the other side of the mountains on January 19th, there were only ten of them left. All the women made it, and only two men. Reed and those who managed to make it through to the other side organized rescue parties. It took several attempts to help those who survived in the Donner Party. In the end, out of the 87 people, only 46 made it through. Many resorted to cannibalism, and most families, like the Donners, had only the children who managed to survive. Only the Reeds and the Breens were able to keep their family units intact completely. It turns out the Donner Party endured one of the worst winters in history in that area. Approximately 22 feet of snow covered the land that winter. So there were two of the most mysterious and treacherous stories around. 
The world can be a crazy place, and Twisted 2s is sure to show you why. If you enjoyed this video, then please remember to subscribe to our channel and support us on Patreon. We have many new videos coming out every single week for you to watch. Thanks for checking us out, and I'll see you next week. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that you know Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com/live.